Hello, everyone. Welcome to season three. I'm your host, Danny Torres, and I will say we're super excited for the upcoming year. A few of you asked to see a little more of yours truly, me, and our producers will give you just that. This season, you'll be able to see and hear all of our podcasts on YouTube, as well as on your favorite podcast listening service. We got some amazing guests lined up for 2023. Plus, we have planned some amazing giveaways, including an opportunity to be a part of our show. That's right. We're going to give one lucky listener an opportunity to be a guest on our podcast. Definitely stay tuned for that unbelievable opportunity to share how Roberto Clemente impacted your life. And now, for our first guest, if you're a Mets fan, one, two, you're in for a special treat. And he was the right choice to kick off season three. Have you already guessed who it is? Here's some clues. In 2001, he was drafted in the first round by the New York Mets. At the age of 21, he made his Major League Baseball debut on July 21, 2004. He would go on to play for 14 seasons. He was a seven-time All-Star, won two Gold Gloves, won two Silver Slugger Awards, and his lifetime average, 296. You name the game or competition, he played it. From Little League to the Futures Game, the Home Run Derby, the WBC, playoffs, and yes, a World Series. And after all these years, I had the opportunity to find out why he wore the number five. Never knew till now. David was kind enough to join us directly from Florida while he was operating as a guest instructor for the Mets during spring training. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Talking 21 podcast, Captain America. Well, actually not that Captain America, but AKA the Captain, David Wright. Welcome David Wright, or as Cliff Floyd likes to call you D. Wright. And welcome once again to the Talking 21 podcast. Now, David, just literally yesterday, I had a conversation with someone that you know very, very well. And he actually said this about you. He said, quote, he was a very humble guy, quiet kid, highly touted, a lot of pressure. And everyone could see how good he would become, Hall of Fame type material. And that comes from your very first manager, Art Howe. Talk to him about July 21st, 2004, when you made your major league debut, and Art Howe already saw this about you. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, as a young player, you make your debut. It feels like yesterday. You know, you're flying, for me, a kid from Virginia, flying in, uh, you know, over Shea Stadium. And on one hand, you're fulfilling this lifelong dream of making it to the big leagues, putting on a big league uniform. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, now is really the start of I have to prove myself. I have to reprove myself. You know, I'm not just a, you know, a prospect anymore. I'm not just, a, you know, the third baseman for the double A team or the triple A team. Now I'm the third baseman for the New York Mets. And I have to prove to myself, to the organization, to the fan base, to my teammates that I deserve to be here. And I'm going to, you know, I, I belong here and I'm going to be the, the long-term answer uh, as the third baseman for the New York Mets. So, 
it's, it's kind of tricky because on one hand you're fulfilling this lifelong goal and on the other hand you know you're just really getting started so uh to hear those words from art and i remember art uh putting his arm around me uh you know maybe a month or so in and saying you know what um you know not only do i want you to be a middle of the lineup type producer but also you know i want you to be one of the leaders on this team and i really took that to heart because he was a veteran manager we had a veteran team and for him to you know, come find this 21 year old kid and put his arm around him and, and tell me these things. It, it gave me a huge confidence boost and it gave me kind of a, a kick of momentum uh, moving forward. Now, it's interesting that you're saying that, too, with regards to what the weight was on your shoulder. Now we're talking so many years later. Here it is spring training. You're there as a guest instructor with the New York Mets. Obviously, you see right now who the Mets are looking at at third base. They're looking at someone already that you're getting a sense of. Is he going to be the potential third baseman for the New York Mets? And that's Brett Beatty. What are your thoughts with Brett Beatty? Well, you know, thanks for reminding me. Like, I think I got some grays popping up here in my hair. Um, so I am like the old guy now. And, uh, you know, I got a chance. Uh, I'm going to get the opportunity to not only work with, uh, you know, Vientos and Beatty, but also, you know, I think the biggest thing that I can bring to the table for, for these two younger players is – you know, talking about time management, talking about expectations, talking about preparation. Um, you know, there's nothing or, or very little that I'm going to be able to teach these guys about the actual game of baseball. It's now about how are you going to handle yourself? How are you going to deal with failure? Um, you know, how are you going to become a, a better leader? Um, and I know they're young and they're, they haven't established themselves, but just because you're young and maybe you haven't established yourself, you can, you can lead by example. And a lot of veterans will follow that type of thing. So I think those are the types of things that I can talk to these guys about and kind of not necessarily teach them, but have an open conversation about, you know, what to expect. Um, you know, you're going to be dragged in a lot of different directions in the New York market um, and how you ultimately prioritize and prepare for a game while fulfilling these other obligations. Now, I would almost dare to say this is something that a mutual friend of ours shared with you in 2004, Super Joe McEwen, who's with the Cardinals. Tell me about Super Joe, and was it similar to the words that you're sharing to 2023 Met team? Are those words that uh, Mr. Joe McEwen shared with you? Well, Super Joe, I don't know if you've seen Super Joe lately. He's all gray. Oh, so big time. I have a big little brown left, yeah. Um, <laughs> No, uh, you know what? I, I got really lucky. Uh, I was roommates in the minor leagues with uh, Matt Galante, who at the time was our third base coach for the Mets. I remember his, his son in the minor leagues. So when we had an off day in Port St. Lucie and A-ball, you know, and the Mets happened to be down in Miami, we'd take the off day, shoot down to Miami. His dad would leave us tickets, and I got a chance to know some of the players through, uh, you know, Matt Galante Sr., um, you know, so Joe was one of those guys. So when I got called up, he was the first guy to kind of grab me and be like, okay, you're with me. I'm going to show you the ropes. Um, this is what time we're going to leave to go to the ballpark. This is going to be our pregame routine. This is what we're going to do in the weight room. Um, and to have that kind of mentor that, you know, with the God-given ability that he had produced every ounce of talent out of that body and out of, the game of baseball was something that that I learned from. You know, he was the first one to the ballpark, the last one to leave, one of the hardest workers, and that blue collar work ethic was instilled at me at a relatively young age. 
and he's still doing it because I've seen him firsthand with the many years with the White Sox, now with the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, uh, the WBC is back, and I'm sure that you're going to be literally sitting in front of that television set of yours watching Team USA again. You know, David, you had some memorable moments, whether it was that grand slam, whether it was that walk-off. You have a chance to look at this year's Team USA roster. Well, I like the Mets that are involved. I mean, I feel yeah. like the Mets are involved in every team. I mean, you you pick a team in the WBC, the Mets are are uh, are, are well represented. So well, let, let's go. Let's go down the line. Pete Alonso, Jeff yep. McNeil, yep. Um, you know Francisco Lindor. Well, let's I mean, see. Edwin let's, Diaz. let's start with let's start with the American side. You know, you got if you like if you like if, if you like homers, Pete's your guy. Uh, if you like winning batting titles. McNeil's your guy, so I like the Mets representation for Team USA already. Um, then you got Lindor, if you like just all around, you know. Can we can we use that word that, that Cliff always said, swag? Can we say that Lindor's <laughs> got swag? He's got a little swag. He's got a little swag, that's for sure. You know, looking up and down these rosters, um, you know, as you know, and it's well documented, I'm a big fan of the WBC. Um, I think it's great for the game. I love the fact that it grows the game. You know, it's it could be argued, you know, if there's a better time to play it. Who knows? I don't know. I all I know is my experience for the WBC was some of the best times I've ever had on a baseball field and especially playing against teammates. You know, I became, you know, whether it was Carlos Beltran, Carlos Delgado, you know, whoever playing against them. Um, I remember when Mike Piazza was the hitting coach for, for Italy, you know, playing against these guys. It, it puts you in such a cool, unique dynamic with yeah, you're going to go back and be teammates with these guys after the WBC, but you want to beat them and get that, you know, the, the trash talk and you want to get the bragging rights when you get back to the clubhouse. So it, it, it produces a really cool environment and something that I really enjoyed playing in. You know, you mentioned some players there. 2016, David, was so special because I was there at Shea Stadium sitting in a mezzanine section. I, for one, would say, and I remember with those little flip phones that we had when Indy made that catch – called my brother who was in the upper deck. I said, yo, Jay, we're going to the World Series. So here it is, there's three players on that team. 2006, so special. I mean, so many players were so special on that team, but there's three. Because two of the three, they're already talking Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. Billy Wagner, Carlos Beltran, and they're already talking even down the line, maybe possibly Carlos Delgado. Tell me about those three ball players. Tell me about those teammates. I mean, incredible. And, and, you know, every time talking about 06, it, you know, it obviously hurts. But, you know, it brings a smile to my face because it was my first playoff experience. Um, I got a chance to do it with a bunch of great guys, and you name three of them. Um, and Carlos Beltran, a guy that you talk about five-tool players, he was the type of guy, um, you know, what he did in Kansas City and then Houston, that was the type of player that I aspired to be, being able to play gold glove defense, steal bases, hit for power, hit for average. Um, you know, just he did it all in the game, and that was the type of third baseman that I wanted to be. And then, um, you know, I had a tremendous, obviously, relationship with Beltran, Delgado, Billy. I mean, you're talking about kind of a who's who of baseball, you know, at the time. Uh, the way that Delgado took me under his wing and, and – you know, we used to play this game in batting practice, and I think that's why one of my strengths was hitting the ball with power the other way is because Delgado and I would play this game in, in batting practice. Who could hit the most opposite field home runs? You know, he, could, he could say anybody could pull it. You know, let's see what you got to center field and, and the opposite way. And I really worked at it because, you know, it became this competition between us two in batting practice where I wanted to beat him. And I know it's just getting ready for a game and it's warming up, 
but it made me work on things where maybe I wouldn't have worked on it without his guidance. Um, you know, and then Billy, obviously, you know, you're talking about uh, just one of the, 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 the biggest lights out closers that the game has ever seen. You know, when you heard, you know, I know Mariano, you know, had the Enter Sandman, the Metallica, but when you heard, you know, Enter Sandman, Metallica in Queens, you knew the game was over because he was going to come in pumping 100 from the left side with a wipeout slider and, you know, just a guy that I really enjoyed being in the clubhouse. We had, we had, you know, not only really good, great players, but we had like good characters too, like, like good people, but also funny. And we, we'd stick around after games and just talk baseball and talk life. And that's kind of the things that, you know, some of the things that I miss the most about the game is just sitting around either before the game, after the game, talking about what Billy Wagner saw in the ninth or what pitch Carlos Delgado was looking for, what Carlos Beltran, you know, how he got that jump on the ball. And stuff. Those are the types of things that I really miss and things I enjoyed picking the brains of some of the best to ever do it. You know, um, something else that was quite special for uh, Mets fans and Yankee fans, the Subway Series. And I remember um, having an opportunity to speak with Derek Jeter. And I said, you know, Derek, who was the player that you look forward to seeing when you came to Shea Stadium or City Field? Immediately, he actually said you. So now I'm going to switch it around to uh, David Wright, D. Wright. When you saw Derek Jeter from afar, immediately what came to mind? Uh, I mean, he was the guy. I mean, you know, you talk about trying to emulate a New York icon, um, you know, a guy that did everything on the field, a guy that carried himself the right way off the field, a guy that became, you know, what the definition of a leader was. Um, you know, so what better guy to learn from? And although we only got to share a clubhouse, you know, during the WBC, um, you know, playing in the same city, playing in the same atmosphere, I got a chance to learn a lot from him from afar. Just now, did you did you ask him, David, any questions, even talking about the WBC? Did you go, hey, Derek, let me ask you something. Do you I remember any he, conversation? I think he got so tired of me in the, the couple weeks that we were together in <laughs> the WBC because I was like a lost puppy dog. Like I would just follow him everywhere. I wanted to see his routine. I wanted to see his preparation. I wanted wow. to talk baseball. I wanted to talk leadership. And, you know, he'd get on the top step and, like, look at the game. And I'd get up on the top step right next to him and be like, hey, what are you looking at? What are you – you know, what are you thinking right now? What about this situation? And I think he got so tired of me following him around and asking these questions that he was probably like, just get get away from me for a little bit. Let's, you know, let's 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 go back to Queens and let's go back to the Bronx and, and get on with it because you know I'm tired of you following me around and asking all these questions. So um, you know, I learned a lot from Derek. And and the, the biggest takeaway, actually, you know what, the thing that he had in common with a lot of the great players that I got a chance to play with, uh, Mike Piazza's. Um, was that his preparation? He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the best to ever do it. But he was one of the first ones in the batting cage. You know, we got to the field. The first ones to go through his routine, meticulous every single day, both in the batting cages, you know, taking his ground balls in the weight room. His routine and his preparation was second to none. And I think that that's what separates the the true greats, you know, from everybody else. You know, David, if there's one thing that took away from the many that I've taken away. Throughout my years following you, I started in 2003 as a freelance journalist, so it's, this year's 20 years. But the one thing with, obviously, so many people having the opportunity to get to know you and just getting to see you at Shea and at City Field, you always was at your locker, always there accountable, always there literally anything from the standpoint of what we in the media wanted out of a ball player. You actually personified that. 
But I want to talk about your philanthropic efforts. There have been so many opportunities that you, David Wright, gave back to the community. You, David Wright, gave to the fans at Shea and at City Field. David, I know the type of parents, your father being a, a law enforcement, your mother in education, um, someone that instilled so much in your life. But David, something else has to click in every person besides your parents, your family. It's just something that just evolves into the personality that we know as David Wright. Anyone else outside of your immediate family really truly told you, David, it's about giving back? Well, you know, I think a lot of it is going back to kind of my rookie year and seeing the veterans and the way that, you know, Johnny Franco, the captain at the time, would make it a point, um, you know, throughout the year, not just around September 11th, but to go visit the firehouses. And it wasn't just when the cameras were on and it was, you know, September 11th and, you know, it was a big to do. You know, he would do these types of things away from the cameras and, and Piazza, Lighter, uh, you know, you mentioned Cliff Floyd, you know, the, just it, it hit me at a young age that and not just, you know, with the, the, the financial means, but the to bring awareness to certain things, to put your name on something that you truly believe in and that you can help out within the community. You know, I was so lucky to be able to play this game for a living. Um, and I never lost sight of that. And my parents never let me lose. You talk about, you know, my parents never got upset with me, whether it was the big leagues, little league, T-ball, whatever. If I stunk that day, you know, the only thing that they would ever get mad at me is if I pouted or I didn't root my teammates on or I hung my head or threw a helmet or something. That's what they would get mad at me about. And that always stuck with me that, you know, there might be a young kid in the stands that's watching me for the first time. And how I deal with failure is how they're going to perceive is the right way to deal with failure. So if I, and, and I, I wasn't great at it. I tried my best, um, but there were times where I, I blew up on the baseball field, but I always thought about that when I was arguing a ball strike call or, you know, I, I, I made an out and slammed the helmet that what would my parents think or what would my little brothers think, you know, at the time. So it was always the way I carried myself, not so much the performance, but um, so I learned at a relatively young age that I could do some good in the community um, and, you know, I'd like to think that I did a, a small part in, you know, helping others, uh, you know, in the New York area, uh, back home in Virginia and, and some of the, the, uh, the, the charity stuff that, that we've done, some of the money that we were ever raised for some great causes. Now, we have to mention two people, David, right now. One, the number that you wore, Brooks Robinson, who won the Roberto Clemente Award in 1972. So last year would have been the 50th anniversary of him receiving this prestigious honor. And of course, the great Roberto Clemente, who obviously so many of us saw up close what he did on the field and certainly what he did off the field and what cost him his life on that mercy mission in 1972, which was 50 years ago. So David, when you heard the name Roberto Clemente, you were nominated for the award. I gotta be honest with you, there's two players that I always wish would have won the award, you and Mike Sweeney, because I got a chance to get to know Mike Sweeney very, very well. So, David, when you were nominated, what were your immediate thoughts that those in the community, those at the ballpark, those in Major League Baseball saw that about you? Well, Mike Sweeney's my guy, so I, I agree with you there. Um, you know, I think that being nominated and even put in the same sentence as Roberto Clemente doesn't do Roberto Clemente justice. You know, I think that um, it obviously was a tremendous honor of mine to be nominated, but to even be mentioned in the same breath, um, you know, that, that, that I can, I can be very proud of that. 
and, and hold my head up high. Um, you know, I think that w- when you think of putting on that uniform on a daily basis and the, again, the impact that you can have on others, you know, I, I'll never forget going to uh, the, our AAA team for the Mets was in Norfolk um, growing up. And my dad was a police officer. So we'd go to a lot of the AAA games and, and the feeling that I would get getting a chance to meet a a triple-A player, in my eyes, you know, the, the, the best of the best, and getting an autograph or a picture taken, I, I always tried to hold on to that feeling and tell myself if I was ever on the other side of that fence to make sure I repay that and pay it forward because of the feeling that I would get as a kid getting a chance to meet my heroes. Um, you know, so I think that um, getting a chance to, to be nominated for that award and – you know, just be thought of in the light of giving back to the community that's done so much for me, obviously a tremendous honor. So now I'm going to tie it in not only with Clemente and you've shared your thoughts on Roberto from the standpoint of giving back, but the retiring of his number. What are your thoughts there with regards to retiring Clemente's number? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think, you know, for me, it's a, it's a no brainer. Um, you know, again, when, when you, when you talk about not only the greatest players to ever do it, but you, you combine that with the greatest players to do it on the field and the way that you carry yourself away from the field, you know, Roberto, Roberto Clemente is at the top of that list. Um, you know, you mentioned Brooks Robinson earlier. Um, Did you, you ever know, meet him, Dave? You ever get a chance to meet Brooks Robinson? So, quick funny story is my young – I have three kids, girl, girl, boy, six four two. My boy is two. His name is Brooks. Um and I, I got a chance to meet Brooks Robinson, um, was it last year or two years ago? So I got a real cool poster from Brooks Robinson signed, you know, to Brooks from Brooks, you know, and he wrote something cool, cool about playing third base on there. So, you know, one of my, you know, prized possessions now with, with obviously my son. So, uh, you know, just kind of a cool backstory. It's, 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 you know, brought a smile to my face. You mentioned him, Brooks Robinson, because of that story that's happened fairly recently. You know, uh, if there's one person also that I enjoyed of that 2016, David, and I'm sure you did, a lot of bloopers, a lot of pranks. That's not not only, but someone who I got to know as well. And your man, my man, Mr. Swag, Mr. Cliff Floyd. What's the funniest thing that he ever did to you when you when he was suited up as a New York Met? Funniest thing. So I'm not sure about funny things, or at least things that I could say publicly. But you know, he he really treated me, and I know like it, it doesn't really make like a, like a younger brother. Like okay. he'd be hard on me, but he would be the first one to take me out to dinner. He'd be the first one. He bought me my first custom suit. Um, really? Back in, the, back in the days where the suits were like huge and baggy, and you know. Really. Was, um, so Cliff. So Dave, would, Dave, he had you suited up like a brother. He had me suited up like he had me suited up at the time like a pro, <laughs> like like a pro. So you know, instead of buying those those suits off off the rack that I was accustomed to, obviously as a young player, he's like, no, 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 come to come to my guy, get fitted, and I had a, a, a nice suit that I think I I wore pretty much every road trip that year, thanks to Cliff Floyd. But he took great care of me and treated me like a younger brother, and not just the dinners and the suits and things. He'd get on me when I needed needed my butt kicked a little bit and he'd be the first one to 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 let me know what I was doing right but also what I was doing wrong and that's something that I appreciated let me tell you you've done a lot of right and David right and I tell you I can't thank you enough for being on the talking 21 podcast because David I really really miss being at that final game September 29th 2018 it's a true story 
As I told you, I was up in Cooperstown meeting Roberto Clemente's oldest brother for the very first time. So, David, I think you'd have to agree which direction I wanted to go in, but... 1,000%. (laughs) But listen, Dave, I do hope that we can connect. Uh, Listen, it'll just be good to see you. We can go out to dinner and have a blast. I'm telling you, I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, Thanks a lot, Danny. Hopefully our paths cross again here soon. Well, thanks so much, D. Wright, David Wright, for being on the Talking 21 podcast. And there's something that is a possibility that our listeners and our viewers did not have an opportunity to really appreciate the David Wright that I got an opportunity to know at Chase Stadium and at City Field. And that's a David Wright that always had time for the fans, whether it was posing for a photograph, whether it was signing an autograph or a little chit-chat by the dugout, you were there. And let's talk about the media, whether once again it was at Chase Stadium or City Field always was accountable in good times and in bad times and I never, never saw you brush aside a reporter once again you were always accountable and I really truly appreciated always having that opportunity to speak to you and even in the spirit of Roberto Clemente anytime an opportunity where there was a charity that you had to be a part of, you would seriously consider it and once again David Wright was there front and center So before we wrap up, I want to make sure that our listeners and our viewers have an opportunity to once again, for the Talking 21 podcast, to rate, to subscribe, and most importantly, you ready for this? To make sure you like this video. And on behalf of Ras Guevara, the Talking 21 producer, I want to thank you for watching. I want to thank you for listening. And once again, in the spirit of Roberto Clemente, let's all be great. Let's all be great ones. 